My name is Matt. And I'm Max. And this is Sip of Success. So good morning, everyone. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good. How are you? I haven't Pretty seen good. you in a while in person. I know. It's kind of weird doing all this online stuff because Matt's right. Like, I haven't seen him in person, but... We're all able to do it through video communication now, which is pretty pretty clutch, don't you think, Matt? Yeah, no, because I, I feel like I, I see you all the time, but yeah, it's just we, weird not we having don't. seen actual people in months. I know, it's it, outside of like your parents, obviously, which I'm sure has been a fun time. How's that going, living at home, Matt? Good, I've, I feel like I've finally gotten into the swing of it. Of like working, working at home, yeah, it's become yeah, a lot easier. I could do it, I could do it forever now. That's good. <laughs> I feel like it definitely is a good thing once you get used to it. I still am not liking it that much. Um, I'm still in Columbia, though. So there's a lot of, you know, going to the grocery store, passing the dorms, or I went on a run around campus. It's almost a little bit sad. Uh, I walked past, I, went, I ran past the library, and it was just like, wow, like, I, well, I never thought that I would want to be there in the library, like, studying It's the fourth floor, but, uh, here we are missing it, you know? Um, yeah, I, mean, no, I, I feel a lot of people miss the library for sure. It's just, I guess, the home away I from do. home. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much easier to study there. Oh, yeah, no distractions, um, except for, you know, some distractions, very few distractions. And, you know, work. I feel like that's been Matt and I, as y'all, pro- as our listeners know, live in the library because it's a test center. So it's a little, a little weird not spend a lot of time there but um we're getting through it you know hopefully uh next semester everything's gonna be good um and everybody's gonna be safe the pandemic will be mostly over and we'll be able to go back to school so hopefully right matt hopefully yeah but i know today though we obviously we're still in the middle of it i know you have a special guest on of your own um to talk about an important subject that not only affects students but also possibly some professors and faculty too definitely could get help from this podcast oh yeah absolutely so this is professor devlin um she is my global health instructor uh, bright and early monday morning at monday and wednesday mornings at 8 5 um professor devlin if you just want to introduce yourself and tell us like about you and what you do um and where you went to school absolutely thank you so much mac and Matt, um, and thank y'all for inviting me, um, Mac, for extending this invitation to participate in your wonderful podcast. But I'm Tina Marie Devlin, and I am the instructor for the Global Health 470, which is the Health Promotion, Education, and Behavior course, undergraduate course at USC. So I teach that, as Mac has already indicated, Monday and Wednesday early, 805 to 920. Um, So that's my part-time job at USC. My full-time job is I work in the corporate arena as a certified health coach at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of South Carolina. And I love my job. So I really um, work with individuals, Blue Cross, Blue Shield subscribers as it pertains to their, you know, disease management. I people to, um, you know, develop goals and um, action plans around healthier living. Um, it's a population health focused job. And so it, it brings me a lot of joy to be able to my members virtually and on the phone and just talk with them about ways they can be healthier if they're managing diabetes, if they're managing high blood pressure, if they just want to lose some weight to prevent those conditions, 
I work with them in that one-on-one -on -one individualized setting to really help them achieve their goals and help reduce cost overall, um, medical cost for not only individuals, their families, but for employers um, as well and for the state and the nation, just helping reduce the exorbitant medical cost um, that we see now. So. Um, yeah, so that so that's kind of my, you know, career-wise, what I do. I'm an instructor, which I absolutely love, but I'm a health coach, and I love that as well too. Um, I went to Carolina. I'm a Gamecock through and through. Undergrad, I was a hardcore biology major, and then I went back to school a, a year or so later and got my master's of public health and health promotion, education, and behavior from USC. So yeah, a little bit about me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we I. And doing many of the same classes that you probably did when you were in school here, which is pretty nice. You know, we've had a good public health program for a while now. Um, so mm -hmm. that's awesome to hear. And I, I want to actually ask you another question about your job as a health coach. So you mentioned mm -hmm. like lifestyle changes, but could you give us like a specific example maybe for our listeners out there who, who might be interested in that? So with health coaching, we use um, a technique called motivational interviewing, and I utilize different strategies in order to help guide members toward their change. So for example, you know, let's say somebody is wanting to lose some weight, they may be overweight or obese, but they're struggling to begin an exercise program, because we know exercise is very important in reducing um, the obesity and overweight um, rate. And so I work with members to help them overcome barriers to exercise. I help them realize what would be some of the benefits that you would get from being active. What resources and support do you have available to begin an exercise program? Um, because as Mac is aware in our class in global health, we always talk about those social determinants of health. So how is an individual's environment conducive to being physically active or how, how is it a barrier for them to be active? So I help them kind of assess everything to help them put some type of lifestyle change such as exercise into place. And then you may have someone who um, has been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, but they're struggling to pay for their oral diabetes medications such as metformin. So I really work with them and I help them assess what resources are available to help you um, get this medication at a low or no cost. You know, what are some things that I can do as your health coach to help you take this medication more consistently if you're struggling with that aspect? So really helping members assess where they're at in the process to make a behavior change, whether it's exercise, whether it's healthier eating, whether it's reducing stress, whether it's um, being able to afford their medications, being able to access their medications. I really work with them to um, assess those things, but also um, provide them with resources um, as well, um, and really helping to reduce their barriers as much as possible. So healthy living, making healthy choices can be, be an easier choice for people. Yeah, so that's really that's awesome. Okay. I appreciate you going through all of that. Um, I think that's like one of the same reasons that public health has drawn me and others in is because it's more about like a holistic view of it, and you can do things like help people try to find their medication, but also encourage them to exercise. It's just, that's a really cool job. Um, I'm glad we kind of got, that wasn't the main point of the podcast, but we got to hear about it. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay. So Matt, you already know this. I think I told Professor Devlin as well. I wanted her to come on because I've noticed that she has been really caring about us as, as people. So I feel like in her mm -hmm. class, we have been more, 
supported and she's been very flexible with us. Like for example, the first class back, we just had, and maybe the first two or three classes back, we just had a talking session about, oh, hey, here's what this is. Here's what, let's all have a conversation about it. How she genuinely cares about how you guys are doing or how we as students are doing. So I, I wanted her to come on um, the podcast because I think that's refreshing and not something that everybody has necessarily experienced. And unfortunately, and um, I wanted to talk to her about how being a professor has changed, how that, um, how the role works now, if there will be any changes later. Um, but yeah, so Matt, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I was also going to say, I think it's, so I didn't know that you were in the um, corporate area, uh, Professor Devlin, but also like the health side with obviously everything being virtual. And I know a lot of laws and stuff have been lifted right now so also be interesting too to hear about your professional side and your work experience right now with having to do a lot of these medical medical things that in the past were always usually in person to now them going online into virtual appointments and things like that yeah that's um that's a great question thank you matt so thankfully my job um has always it's primarily telephonic so i would say about 80% of my job is over the phone. I talk to people through landlines or cell phones, and then about 20% is using a private and secure um, platform where we communicate virtually with members. And I have conversations with them and I can talk with them about their healthcare. Because as you all know that, um, you know, we have to follow as, whether it's healthcare, whether it's medical, whether it's insurance, there are certain strict protocols and guidelines and policies, HIPAA, that we have to follow to make sure that we're protecting the health information of our members. So all the tools that we use at Blue Cross are HIPAA verified. And there are things that I have to do, especially telephonically. There are certain things I have to ask and verify before I can even begin talking about someone's health conditions and lifestyle changes. So for example, I got a confirmed date of birth. So I got to make sure who I'm talking to, the date of birth that they give me matches the date of birth and their electronic medical records that we have access to that's highly secure. Um, So we have to do that. We also have to let members know that any information we share will never be discussed with anyone outside of their medical team, their doctor. And we also have to let members know that they are on a recorded line for quality um, assurance and quality improvement purposes. So there are things we have to do. And also when I am charting and documenting all the data and the clinicals and the behavioral assessments that I complete, I have to make sure and verify that I'm charting in the correct person's record. So there's constantly checks and balances that are put in place with my job. I have to continuously go through HIPAA trainings, compliance trainings. Um, Twice, three times a year, I'm constantly in trainings, cultural diversity trainings, cultural competence trainings, all these things to complete to keep my job. If I don't complete those things, I could lose my job. If I disclose personal medical information, someone's date of birth, someone's diagnosis, I would be fired and fined a big fee, um, a big fine. And so there are so many protocols I have to adhere to and I constantly have to stay abreast of these policies and protocols um, to protect our members. So everything we use, let me tell you, it has been HIPAA verified through and through. Yeah, that's really awesome. I, I definitely think that's cool. Um, working in the corporate world is interesting. One of our last episodes um, was actually about 
a friend of mine who is who works in sales that has been doing um working from home for most of his time as well so um it's it's an interesting uh changeover for sure but i have a question for you so how has do you feel like your role of professor has changed yeah great question thank you max so um my role is as I, as you're very much aware of my class, you, you know how I operate and how I teach, I get a lot of energy from you all. I look forward every Monday and Wednesday to seeing your faces, to learning your names. And I tell you, Mac, you knew that was one of my goals when we started the course this um, semester. I was going to know everyone's name. Right before we went on quarantine and had to transition to virtual learning, I knew everyone's name. And getting to see your face, talk to you, check in with you, you know, have discussions with you all with your world news updates. I miss that so much. So I don't get that energy that I used to get from seeing your faces. So that has changed significantly, that, that interaction, that interpersonal interaction with you all. But I get some of that now through our Blackboard Collaborate sessions, but I don't get to see your faces and I really don't get to hear you. I just see you chat, which is still good, but I miss the energy from you all. I miss engaging with you all. I miss talking with y'all on Monday and Wednesdays. It's a big change for me. I, I, I'm a people person. I am a social person and I need that from others to, to energize me. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I think that's been a really big struggle, struggle for all of us. Um, that like, like you said, I'm used to seeing a select group of people within my day or within my week and for, to not be able to see them has been kind of hard. Um, it's been strange to not feel like I have any sort of like stability like I'm sure you do because your class is eight to five Monday Wednesday like that was stability for me is that I would go to your class and we would talk and we'd have discussions on different public health topics and then I would go to my physics class and then I would go to statistics and that's been pretty pretty difficult um, I think for everybody Matt how has it been difficult for you as well yeah well I think one thing I and I know I've told you this too is a lot of my classes um it's all a lot of independent work now so whereas I know a lot of other students are doing like Blackboard collaborate sessions um, and having that stability, whereas for my, all my classes, it's all independent work. Um, I guess that's more just by chance because I, I have several of my classes are like journalism classes, but then also I'm taking other classes in other departments for like core and stuff. But I don't really have, and I'm good with independent work, but I still don't really have that structure that I, that you do when you're at school when, in that timeline of your day of you know what's going to happen whereas now it's kind of like you have to wake up and do the work on your own time and for motivational wise it can be a little hard but i did have a question for professor devlin about because i know you said you're using the blackboard collaborate sessions so like the online video chat feature and things like that but what's been the best um like the, what's the best tip I guess you could give to students, but then also to professors that are teaching classes for doing like an online virtual class. Um, and I know like a lot of professors haven't done virtual classes before. I know some professors do them every semester and that's just how they do them. But especially for a lot of like, I know you were a STEM major, Mac, you're a STEM major, but for these classes, especially that are a little bit more hands-on and require, are best done in an environment in the classroom 
what would you be your best tips for those professors and students to still succeed in those classes? Yeah, um, thank you, Matt. Um, so tips for students and just getting feedback from, you know, students in Global Health 470. Um, I definitely think just for a tip for students is, and, and kind of the point that you made, Matt, is if you, if you're somebody who maybe struggles with motivation and, you know, self-pacing yourself and losing that structure like you had in class, you know, finding a way or putting something in place to provide more structure and organization during your day, especially when you know you may not have to report in at a certain time, you know, like you, it's a very self-paced, you get it done when you can, you know, putting some type of schedule or structure in place for yourself in your day. So making a calendar Monday through Friday for your day that says eight o'clock to eight, you know, eight, eight thirty, you know, I have breakfast, I do this, I take care of this to get my mind ready. Nine to 10 o'clock, I work on physics. Um, this time I have a break. So actually scheduling your day out, writing it out, planning your day, especially if you're someone who's not accustomed to that. That. It may be it, it may be a difficult transition, but really having some structure in your day so you can self-pace yourself, you, you can pace yourself, and you can get things accomplished and have that checklist. And at the end of your day, I would say as a student, writing down at the day, okay, Monday, I accomplished this. This was difficult to do on Monday. I need to do this differently for the next day. So really documenting the process, creating that schedule and structure for yourself um, is something, a tip that I would give for students. Um, some students don't need that and they're good. Um, and I think as well as a tip for student, as all students is also understanding that the professors like myself, we're also struggling in some ways with this new, um, this new system and this new way of learning. So just having empathy for also for your professors and knowing that many professors are now juggling homeschooling with their children in addition to, you know, still having to do this virtual learning and maybe having to take care of an elderly person in the home. So also having that empathy that professors are also going through this as well, and they may be struggling. Um, a tip for professors, and I think it's so important, and um, Mac already mentioned this, but let your students know that, you know, communicate with your students often that this is some serious stuff that we're going through. It's okay if you're not okay. And I think that communication is so critical between professor and student, and that professor needs to be clear and transparent. Um, with class expectations, with what they expect, and keeping that communication honest and clear. And I'm really big on that. But that professor being empathetic as well and knowing that student is also struggling. And I think another tip to go along with that, be flexible. I have really had to um, loosen the reins a little bit and tell the students in the class, as Mac is aware, it's okay if you don't get this done by the deadline. It's all right. You may not have the technology to support doing this work and getting on virtual Blackboard. It's okay. I just want to know you're okay. So have some flexibility during this time and don't be so stringent on deadlines and due dates and grades. Have a little bit of flexibility there to know that everybody is experiencing and dealing with this a little bit differently. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I definitely think like it's okay to not be okay. Right now it's huge 
with I think a lot of people are talking about like mental health stuff and obviously with everything in the news it's hard to try and remain positive and, and have the same like routine mm-hmm. like you were mentioning too as well and I think that's huge mm-hmm. yeah from my perspective it's definitely been huge um especially because I have friends I'm not in the situation but I do have friends that now that that work my work is medical scribes or MAs and now that all of this is happening their help is needed more than ever and their bosses are asking them to pick up extra hours but a lot of professors have been not flexible with oh I'm willing to help you out or oh I can um, do this for you or I know people that have been thrust into caretaker roles the same as you were saying about how professors might now have to take care of people I know many of my uh, some of my friends have had to take care of their elderly um, grandparents and or their siblings that may be disabled and it's it's just hard this whole situation is completely wacky but I know that it is very appreciated when professors show that empathy like you like you said absolutely yeah and that's a good point that you mentioned, Mac, and I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, every student, you know, you cannot have that assumption that every undergraduate student is going through the same thing and every undergraduate student is participating in these activities. There's a lot of undergraduate students who have pretty much full-time jobs. They are supporting other family members. They may be caring for a disabled loved one. Um, they themselves may be dealing with a disability. They themselves may be dealing with their own health struggles. So it's, yeah, there's some tough, tough situations that people are having to navigate right now and we've got to have empathy and flexibility and we got to have a heart right now yeah i think now more than ever it's important for from both sides to realize that you know professors are people too but then again students aren't robots and you can't just keep piling things onto them you know Mm -hmm. um but professor devlin so how do you think that this experience will change your teaching for next semester or change your teaching in the future Oh, that's a great question. Um, I definitely think the way it will change is that I really loved, Mac, the first, I think, first week of Blackboard Collaborator, first two weeks, like you had stated, stated already, we had just a discussion. I want to just have more discussion in class, and I think I'm going to um, incorporate that um, into the in-person if you know I'm, I'm i'm just crossing my fingers that fall 2020 it's in person because i gotta have that that we're just gonna have more sessions where we just talk let's talk about things let's talk about this this is happening you know in the news let's talk about it Let, and we'll spend a whole class just dialoguing and discussion and maybe a little bit of healthy debate between students and i want to incorporate more of that because I've learned so much from you all. I've learned about you, you all just in that first week transition, just learning about y'all, your backgrounds, what your you know parents or loved ones may do for a living, some of your struggles. Some of y'all have lost jobs, have to file for unemployment. I'm learning so much and I want to be able to incorporate more open discussion in class. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the discussion aspect of it. I feel like, like I've kind of said earlier, it makes me feel like I'm as a student and cared about and I like hearing from other classmates you know we all have different experiences and we all have different struggles and I really think that it brought us together to all kind of talk about it um commiserate about it if you will um Mm -hmm. when we had those sessions in your class Uh, because a lot of times I felt like when we were in person we still had those experiences but there 
everybody was tired or there was no real, it was really hard to like get, have an actual discussion, but with the chat and with um, your class online, it's a lot easier to do. And I, I really appreciated that aspect of it, especially right now when it's been so few um, interactions with people outside of, you know, your family and your a couple of friends maybe that have been quarantining with you. Um, mm -hmm. That's a great, I think that's a great point. I think more professors should kind of um, put that into their, their curriculum and have that time for conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. You've, you've got to have that. You've got to build those connections with your students because you're spending, well, I think a semester is what, is it how many weeks? Is that what, 16 weeks, 16 weeks, you know, I, 30 plus sessions, give or take time away? Yeah, I think I think it's 16. I'm trying to think to the worksheet we do at the Student Success Center. I'm pretty sure it's either 16 or 17. Yes. Um, okay, so I have one last question before we end. Matt and Matt might have a couple more as well. Um, but I want to know what you think the effect has been on students and what you think we should do to, I mean, obviously the effect has been mostly negative, but um, at least in my perspective of it, but what can we do to take this and make us better people, make us better um, citizens and better students? Hmm, absolutely. Great question. Thanks, Mac. Um, you know, I think to take away from this there's a few things and just hearing from other students that i've heard quite a few of students especially in in class over on the blackboard collaborate say i've been able to spend to slow down and spend more time with my loved ones i've been able to connect more with people and it's good because we are not we don't connect with people face to face like we should anymore we're so you know engrossed in instagram snapchat at TikTok and our life is just all on social media on this little device that fits in our hand. And we got to get back to more people connections, of course, after coronavirus and no more social distancing, of course. Um, but we've got to have more connections with people, you know, and that's going to really, you know, provide more stronger communication, better communication skills with one another. Um, but I've just heard so many people and students, especially I'm connecting with my loved ones. I'm slowing down. I have a little bit less stress in a different way. Um, I'm getting some rest now. I'm getting sleep, which is so important because so many of us are sleep deprived and we're not functioning at the most optimal place. And because of that sleep deprivation, we're engaging in unhealthy behaviors, which we know leads to the de potential development of chronic diseases, which leads to more medical costs, which leads to, as you know, Mac, as we talk about more, more mor morbidity and mortality. So yeah. I think this is an opportunity for us to slow down and to take some stress off of us. Yeah, yeah. that has been very nice. I'm sure Matt will, Matt will agree with me. It's been yeah. nice to Again, sleep. <laughs> My grades have been, like, I haven't felt like I've been stressed studying for exams because uh, I don't have anything really else going on. So I have, like, all the time in the world to start studying for exams earlier. Um, it's been, that's been a nice, a very nice aspect of it is to feel well-rested physically and be able to go to bed. At, like last night, I went to bed at 11 and woke up at 8 today. And it was incredible because normally it's, I go to bed at midnight and wake up at 6, you know. It's been, it's, it was, yeah. that was nice for sure. I'm sure Matt feels the same yeah, way. Yeah, I do think it's, uh, I do think, like, it's an unfortunate situation, but also it is a little bit of a blessing in disguise because mm -hmm. I know for me, I was coming off of my busiest semester yet, and it was, like, to have time on my hands. So one thing, and this is part of my question, is I feel like when I was at school, I never had the chance, I never had the time in it except for a few days a week to ever, like, exercise. Um and I would just, even it when I did, it was like, I would have like maybe one hour when I would have to like go and maybe go for a run and then quickly like go back and change. 
but I've had a lot of time now to like exercise because I just have so much free hands. But I know Professor Devlin that obviously teaches global health studies, but it's your profession as well. But I know some people are definitely taking this time to be able to exercise and are really being able to fit it in. And I've seen the home health wellness industry has really kind of taken mm-hmm. off in terms of like just growth of sales and people looking things up online and then other people have maybe um, making this time to relax a little bit more as well. But what are some ways that you recommend people, students alike to, to continue to stay active um, when they don't to a gym or maybe they don't have any home workout equipment or, and they don't have the opportunity because maybe they live in a more urban area where they can't really go for a run. Um, because they risk seeing people. So what are some ways that you recommend people stay active and healthy during this time? Absolutely. Um, And great question, Matt. And that's something I'm encountering now with my members as we're talking on the phone. And my caseload has significantly increased because people are at home. They're available. They want to talk. And they want to talk about... I'm stuck at home, my kids are everywhere, I'm homeschooling, I'm eating all these snacks, I have anxiety, so I was like, okay, let's let's kind of talk about this. So one of the things that just if an individual has internet, again, that is a barrier here in the South and rural areas and in many areas in the nation, not just the South, but access to good quality, high-speed internet. Um, and so if individuals do have an internet access, downloading some free YouTube videos that require zero equipment on fitness, so doing some 10 minute fitness videos. If you don't have internet access, you know, um, what are some things you can do by yourself or with your um, loved ones in the house, you know, come up with some creative physical fitness games. And one of those will be, one of my members told me this, that, okay, we're, we're folks as a family, we're doing these chores. So every time you fold a shirt, you're going to do five high knees in place. Every time someone picks up a pair of jeans to hang up, you're going to do five jumping jacks. So being creative, if you have internet access, if you don't have the technology, how can you kind of make up your own fun games in the house in a small space to get everybody engaged, to get yourself um, engaged in some type of wellness, but you're doing something together as a family. Um, So that's some, some ideas, but Also, too, I think for some people, um, we know that accessing high quality food is definitely a challenge. Everybody doesn't have access to Instacart to drop off groceries in front of their door. They don't have the the money or the ability to eat certain foods. Um, So that can definitely be a barrier right now for individuals with healthy eating. But in those situations, we talk about, okay, what about the quantity you're eating? You know, so instead of having, um, you know, a cup of whatever it may be that's not the healthiest, what would, what would it look like if you reduce that portion down to a smaller size? Or instead of adding this to your beans, what about we add another ingredient to your beans, um, your can of beans? Or maybe do brown rice instead of white rice to make a meal? Or why don't we rinse off those canned vegetables that are in sodium to reduce your sodium? So you still can, you know, provide health tips even when individuals have a lot of barriers that they're experiencing accessing quality services and food. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I know so much out right now that I've been reading about like the whole health, wellness, like the, the food thing too, completely is people trying to, you know, coming up with creative ways to 
tackle that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm an expert on it. So thank you so much for that. No, no problem at all. No, that's just, that's just a, a few tips. And I know as well, you know, there are different um, programs that are available for young children who are not receiving those breakfast and lunch meals in the school system. So there are programs in certain counties where they are still providing breakfast and lunch if a parent has the ability to um, get transportation to those locations so they're trying to receive a good quality nutritious meal Um, and different food banks are always in need of food to be dropped off but tapping into local resources to ensure that our community they are getting food and they are eating and they're getting you know proper nutrition so it's a lot of challenges and a lot of inequities um that that are really um that we're really observing and seeing right now as a result of corona yeah thank you so much professor devlin um i think matt i I don't have any more questions do you have any more questions no i think that was all i had thank thank you so much professor devlin yeah we really appreciate you coming on um it's a good episode i think it has a lot of good things for our listeners that's exciting um and for everybody out there y'all stay safe and healthy um remember to follow us on instagram at zip.of.success and we'll see you next week this podcast is part of the garnet media group podcast network garnet media group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the university of south carolina find out more about garnet media's group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org